And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. K-I-R-P For real truth, real talk radio, make sure you log on to KIRPRadioShow.com. Sunday nights live, 8 p.m. with your host. Rocco P. It is Sunday night, June 26th, 2016. This is last Sunday nights on the KIRP Radio Show with Rocco P. Once again, I would like to thank Pudgy Miller for the opportunity to host this show once a month. I deeply appreciate that he gives me his platform once a month to express my views. Uh, this show, uh, this show is uh, won't be extremely different than some of the stuff I've covered before. Uh, tonight, I'm going to talk about Donald Trump, in particular, meeting he had with evangelicals. He had a meeting in New York City with about 1,000 evangelicals uh, this past Tuesday. And there's a lot that could be said about that. I, you know, talked about Trump and evangelicals before the meeting was, uh, it was huge. Uh, I'll play a video clip from James Walker, Walker's Ministries, Watchman.org, and uh, he gives some background as far as what you would would have probably guessed already. Uh, the questions were pre-selected. Uh, Trump, uh, Trump did not agree to take any questions about his spiritual beliefs. Uh, I think he knew that would not help him <laughs> with, among a group of people that uh, that do claim to hold to the Bible, and of course the people there were varying uh, political, were varying uh, you know spiritual beliefs, uh, you know, a variety of uh, belief systems, relations uh, of belief systems, a variety of beliefs within the broad evangelical label represented. You had people like Franklin Graham there, and of course you know, his father Billy Graham popularized what he called cooperative evangelism, what I would call ecumenical evangelism. So you have Billy Graham going back to 1980. Uh, you know, he had written a piece, I believe, for Saturday uh, 
one publication, I think it was Saturday Post, where he said, uh, yeah, the Pope was uh, was a great Christian leader, and yeah, he was uh, he was glad he could uh, yeah, he could quote him, and that uh, the Pope had great moral authority to speak on Christian matters, and yeah, he said that in in passing too when he's saying he was preaching in Catholic churches in Poland. Pope at the time, Karol Wojtyla, so-called Pope John Paul II, was a Polish Pope. He was from Poland. Uh, so there are a variety of people there, but uh, the, the meeting was important in the sense that Trump is showing, of course, obviously, uh, this is about, from, from Trump's perspective, he wants the he wants the evangelical votes. Again, we'll talk about as far as you know what what does Trump believe about the Bible? What, what does he believe uh, about being a Christian? And uh, again, how how do Christians vote? You know, I've addressed that before. Again, the issue is it isn't necessarily voting for a candidate at any level of office who is a fellow believer. Uh, some Christians believe that. I don't think you can make that argument from the Bible. I don't think you can make that argument based upon how God has placed us in this country. We are uh, our government is secular, and there's a secular compact for federal office. That compact is the U.S. Constitution. If you're running outside for federal office, the compact would be your state constitution. And that that's how we should really vote, I believe, strongly. Whether someone is saved or lost, um, the country would be completely different if, if we held those running for public office to their oath of office, which is, again, at the federal level, the federal constitution, at the state level, your respective state constitutions. But getting to this meeting again, of course, you know Trump wants the evangelical votes, and I don't, I don't want to be arrogant. I, I mean, yeah, I've said it before. I, I'd say it again. I, I think there is r- almost no evidence Trump is a fellow believer. It's, there's almost no evidence. Period. Uh, I'm not accusing Trump of being manipulative beyond what any other politician would do. So, am I saying it's right for for politicians being manipulative? No, no, no. Uh, it's not right to lie, but uh, I see it as a positive thing in that here here's someone who obviously, even though he wants he wants the votes, he put himself even though it was a control he controlled the environment. I mean, he controlled the questions. Let's let's be honest; it's very clear. I didn't need James Walker to say that uh, he controlled the questions. But it's still good. He's willing to meet with evangelical leaders. He could just blow them off. And uh, take the position. Well, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to vote for Hillary. And there's the political aspect to this. Obviously, that would be foolish because there's a growing number. I shouldn't say growing. There is a number of people that are never Trump, and those comprise some Christians, some non-Christians. You have people like George Will, a neoconservative pundit, neoconservative columnist. He believes he's a neoconservative that he believes in perpetual war. Okay, he's not a paleo. Conservative, I would identify more with the paleo-conservative philosophy. Same thing with libertarianism. I would, I would identify more as a paleo-libertarianism. The word I've thrown throughout the, the adjective uh, paleo, meaning original, uh, original conserve. Where uh, what are you trying to conserve? Yeah, that that is the question. Uh, George Will believes in uh, in perpetual war. Uh, he believes in this idea that American exceptionalism means the U.S. has to expand its empire. I don't know how many bases the U.S. has in the world. I don't know if it's 200 or 600, 
But after World War II, the U.S. never really left those countries where um, World War II had had occurred in Europe and uh, in the Far East and Japan and elsewhere. So it, it, you can very, very actually, you can honestly say, I mean, the U.S. has been in a perpetual state of war after World War II. Uh, I've said it before, after World War II, uh, we had this thing during World War II called the, the Department of War. The Department of War never went away. They just renamed it the, the Department of Defense. Uh, they made the Joint Chiefs of Staff permanent. They made the CIA permanent, had been the Officer of Strategic Services. The President, according to the Constitution, is only Commander-in-Chief when war is the Therefore, we grew up in this post-World War II mentality of perpetual war, and you have people, especially candidates, saying, well, you know, the President's Commander-in-Chief only when there's war. So in a sense, they're right. The president is commander-in-chief now because there's there's wars going on, even though they're, they're illegal, they're unconstitutional. No one has really debated this except for Ron Paul, for the most part, uh, since the Vietnam War. It was debated in the Vietnam War. Very, very dangerous precedent occurred during the Korean War around 1950 when the decision was made for the U.S. to engage in that war without a congressional declaration of war. Very dangerous president. And that was done under the horrific and wicked auspices of the United Nations. Of course, the United Nations should go away, or the U.S. should at least get out of the United Nations. I believe the United, the United States supports the U.N. about 25% of its budget. So uh, the world would be a much better place without the U.N. Um, the United States couldn't necessarily destroy the U.N., but they could stop funding it. That would be 25% of its budget. Uh, they could kick it out of the United States. Uh, it was great that the Rockefeller fa- family, who were taught in history in our uh, in our school textbooks, that the Rockefellers were philanthropists. They loved that word. They're philanthropists. And that's why they donated the property in Midtown Manhattan for the United Nations. No, no, no. The Rockefeller family, <laughs> who owned Chase Manhattan Bank, which is now J.P. Morgan Chase, they were philanthropists. Uh, they were globalists. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to live, if you want the United States to be formed into a country like China, then you like the United Nations. Okay, I, I got off that, kind of got got off that path. But uh, now the, the, the U.S. should get it. You know, and getting back to meeting with Trump and the evangelicals, uh, it's good. It's good he's willing to talk to them, uh, especially since you do have people again saved and lost that are part of this Never Trump camp. Like I said, many of them. I think at the top, once again, the people are manipulated. A lot of people, Christians, think they are being moral uh, by voting against Trump. And, yeah, I, I, I can't really accept that argument. And when, when I say that, when I can't accept the argument that it's, it's moral to not vote for Trump, I don't mean that Trump is has lived a moral life. That's that's obviously that's not the case. And yeah, you know, I'm not just talking about I'm not just talking about his language. I mean, the guy he loves profanity. I mean, it's out there. You could see, you could go to YouTube and search old speeches he's done, public speeches where I mean, he just drops drops the f bomb. Uh, yeah, the, the guy, the the guy's not moral in that sense. Uh, there's there's an element of morality in his life. Uh, Trump doesn't talk about it often. He doesn't drink. Uh, that's one of the things that came up during the meeting with his children when he raised his children. Uh, they did not drink. Uh, they did not smoke. Uh, so you know, there, there, there's there's some restraints in his life. But the point is, when I say some Christians, I think, are being manipulated by the neocons with this never-Trump camp, because 
a lot of the other people who they voted for in their lifetimes, I'm talking about Willard and Mitt Romney, I'm talking about John McCain, talking about George W. Bush, these were immoral men. Now they were more they were more shrewd in the sense that they didn't uh, they weren't using the profanity that Donald Trump did and all. But these are men whose whose personal belief systems were immoral. Uh, Will admit Romney was a Mormon is a Mormon, and you know, many evangelicals had no problem you know voting for Will Will admit Romney. But now you know they have an issue voting for Donald Trump. I say it's hypocritical. A uh, John McCain. Uh, Horrible the way he ended his first marriage, and you know, of course, you know Trump's been Trump's been divorced twice. He's on th- on his third marriage, to the best of my knowledge. It was the uh, he went from Ivana to Marla Maples to Melania. That's the best of my knowledge, I think he's at number wife number three. I felt initially when Trump was running, he would have been destroyed because people would have been able to produce you know audio, video, testimony of woman of woman he had been with after, you know, when he was married, at the point when he was married, that he was unfaithful. But they, uh, that that doesn't seem to exist. So, uh, you know, say what you want about Trump. Uh, he is on his third wife. Uh, the Bible is clear. It should be one man, one woman for one lifetime. But uh, it does seem each time he is married, he, he has taken, he has taken, uh, he's taken that vow seriously. Again, it should have only happened once. But, uh, this whole idea with the morality, I think a lot of evangelicals have gotten sucked into it because the uh, the never Trump camp, uh, George Will, who's now no longer a Republican, which is a good thing. I wish we could get every neocon in leadership out of the Republican Party. Bill Kristol, uh, editor of the Weekly Standard, huge warmonger, uh, neocon enemy of the Republic. Um, he initially said he'd vote for Hillary. Then he tried to disguise that. He tried to draft someone to run as an independent candidate, and that didn't happen. Uh, Crystal's not voting for Trump. A certain military, ex-military, have said they're not going to vote for Trump. And uh, again, it's not a moral position. It has to do with power. And that's why I and many people who may disagree, and certainly I disagree with a lot of Trump's lifestyle uh, and his choices, but people have been attracted to Trump because it has appeared he is not in the club. Uh, he's not. He's not one of them. The Republican establishment, including Paul Ryan, initially didn't endorse him. He's really gone back and forth on that. So, again, if 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 you're a believer and you're not going to vote for Trump, that's fine. Uh, I wouldn't tell no one to violate their conscience. However, I just say be consistent. Uh, what was your basis of morality in voting for Willard Mitt Romney? What was your basis of morality in voting for John McCain, whose again policies were horrible? This is John McCain who supported the 2012 NDAA National Defense Authorization Act. Every two years in the Constitution, according to the Constitution, we have to fund the military. And when they wrote the Constitution, they could have made, they could have simply eliminated a standing army. In other words, they could have made it completely illegal for any army to be standing, not in time of war. They basically left the loophole open because their thinking was, if you give them the benefit of that, that it wasn't nefarious, that it wasn't, it wasn't uh, evil. Their thinking was, if a war had ceased, you'd still have to fund, you'd have to pay off any debts, you'd have, you know, you'd, you may have to pay off soldiers, things like that, equipment, military equipment, for at least two years after the war had ceased. So every two years, there has to be authorization. It's called the National Defense Authorization Act. In 2012, 2012 NDA was passed in 2011, and that had stated 
that any U.S. citizen anywhere in the world could be indefinitely detained or executed without due process. And the rationale they use is that if that person was known to be not just part of al-Qaeda, but an affiliated force. So once that brought its affiliated force, you know, what, what does that mean? Does that mean you're an anti-war protester? And yeah, you, you might think I'm being ridiculous. Uh, Enwar al-Awlaki was an alleged terrorist part of al-Qaeda. He was executed in Yemen in a drone strike. They've never released the information why. And what was even more disturbing, and he was a U.S. citizen, his 16-year-old son, who was a U.S. citizen, was executed in a separate drone strike in Yemen. Again, they they do that. They never release the information based upon based upon secret secret information. So you have people you have people like John McCain that were behind the 2012 NDA, and Christians think it was moral to vote for John McCain, but it's not moral to vote for Donald Trump. And I say, at best, you're terribly ignorant. At worst, you're a hypocrite. Uh, so again, you get, you're going to use the moral angle on Trump. Uh, fine. How have you voted in the past? How will you vote in the future? To me, with Trump, if, if I pull a lever for Trump and I vote for him in the primary, I'd say I'm on the fence in the general election. Because though Trump has been against one of the few areas where he hasn't been all over the map, is that he has been against. Uh, this idea of perpetual illegal war. To his credit, uh, he took out a one-page ad against the Iraq War at the time, one-page ad in the New York, New York Times. This, that's one of the areas where he has been he has been consistent. Other areas he has not been consistent. In the area again opposing these illegal wars of aggression, he has he has been, and he hasn't seemed to he hasn't wavered on that. I mean, during the South Carolina primary, I mean he trashed. I mean he trashed. George W. Bush, you know, Jeb was still in the race at the time. I believe he exited stage left right after the South Carolina loss. It was so devastating. But uh, Trump didn't, he didn't give an inch on that. If you go back, you watch the, set, the debate before the South Carolina primary. Uh, Trump was unrelenting on, uh, you know, the futility and uh, the uselessness. I mean, <laughs> how, how horrible it was to be involved in those wars. And uh, he had some great things to say about George W. Bush and uh, Jeb and the Bush family and like it. Namely, Trump just used common sense. He basically said uh, 9-11 occurred during the tenure of George W. Bush. How did he protect us? <laughs> that was a great question. And uh, yeah, I, I digress, but I'm just saying you, 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 see, you, see, my, you see my perspective. Okay, I, I am a believer I believe in the Bible. Uh, I believe in the core Christian doctrines. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe in his vicarious atonement, his substitutionary atonement. Uh, I believe Christ died for the sins of the world. Uh, only those who he had chosen will ultimately be saved. Uh, God has chosen some. He has not chosen all. Uh, it's our duty for those who know the gospel to share all God knows who will respond in faith. Uh, we should share indiscriminately as we're given opportunity. Uh, I believe Christ will return, uh, and uh, he will establish his kingdom here. Uh, I believe all those things, uh, but I don't believe uh, Christians should only vote for people that believe those things. Again, it's a secular compact. They make a compact. They make an agreement with what is the law the highest law in the land. 
the federal level, the federal constitution, state level is the state constitution. The, me- the meeting, I think, was good because even though even though the questions were canned, that was scripted, even though Trump would not put him in that vulnerable position to answer any questions about the Bible, which obviously he knows nothing about, <laughs> about the Bible. Uh, he was loosely affiliated with the Presbyterian Church at one time. I don't know. I don't know if he still goes. He did at one time, but uh, was, there's no real evidence Trump is uh, Trump is saved. James Dobson, uh, who himself is a psychologist, and again, I don't want to be a Christian snob. But I was about to say he's not. He's a guy who wasn't trained in theology. I don't think you need to be formally trained in Bible or theology. There's great preachers. Men have used God has used men who were who were self-taught in a powerful way. I think in in, in the previous generation, Henry. Alan Ironside, H.A. Ironside, I still have some of his commentaries. Uh, he was part of a group called the Plymouth Brethren. Then he was pastor of what was Moody Memorial Church, which is now a Moody Bible Church, pastored by Erwin Lutzer in Chicago. H.A. Ironside was greatly used by God, totally self-taught. Yeah. Great student, had the discipline, taught himself biblical Hebrew, biblical Greek. Today, I think of a man like Ray Comfort. Uh, God has used Ray Comfort in a powerful way to reach many people with the gospel and to train and challenge many people in the church, those who are saved, about about sharing their faith. Ray Comfort self-taught. So when I say with James Dobson, James Dobson, a lot of the things he has said he says about the Bible is erroneous. <laughs> uh, and it's not just because he has a Ph.D. in child development. He just hasn't studied the Bible in, in a formal way. And it's it's just... On his own, he hasn't been disciplined to really search, you know, to pick up books like Basic Theology by Charles Ryrie, or uh, you could pick up uh, you could pick up a book back in print. You could pick up James Boyce's Abstract of Systematic Theology. Uh, those books are out there. James Dobson evidently doesn't read those things. He doesn't study those things. So Dobson, I say this as uh, I say this because Dobson was interviewed, and we'll play that clip. is a three-minute three minute interview. A guy has a guy has his own site. Site never heard. Of. Seems like seems like an interesting guy. Godfactor.com. Godfactor.com. You can see it yourself. He interviewed Dobson. I think at New York or shortly thereafter at this at this meeting with thousand evangelicals, and Dobson said he thought Trump was saved, and. It really is ridiculous because Dobson basically says, I know the person who says that Trump uh, made a profession of faith. <laughs> that's, that's, that's sad. Again, you know, James Dobson has done some good things. Yeah, some good things for child rearing. A lot of it's psychological, of a psychological nature, unfortunately. I think uh, I would avoid any of his teaching about marriage. But again, uh, James Dobson isn't. Yet any Christian should know that if someone says, uh, okay, someone is saved because someone told me they said they were saved, but I don't even know who that person is, uh, that is, that's beyond weak. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this, uh, that little interview at, at godfactor.com, that got splashed all over the place last week. Political, everyone picked up on it. As well they should. As well they should. But, going to get into this, uh, I'm gonna play. Uh, I'm gonna play this segment uh, from James Walker. James Walker again is with Watchmen.org. That's a countercult ministry, and uh, he does more in counterculture. He does some world religions too. He has 
He has a staff. He's got a lot of good resources at Washroom.org. And if you want to understand different world religions, you want to, you want some quick facts. You know what is why is Mormonism not biblical? What is wrong with the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society? Jehovah's Witnesses. Go to Watchroom.org. But uh, James Walker was invited to this meeting, and uh, he uh, he was surprised he was invited. You know, he he's a guy like a lot of evangelicals. He was not really backing Trump at all, but he was glad he got an invite and. This video is good. It's, it's it's just a rate minutes. He gives some background as far as the meeting, what happened, and kind of kind of sums it up with how he views the whole process with uh, with Christians. You know what their criteria is. Hello, I wanted to give you a quick report on New York on the meeting with evangelical Christian leaders and Donald Trump. First of all, I want to say thank you for your prayers and support. When I sent the email out and put it on Facebook, it, uh, you guys blew up my inbox. I, I don't think I've ever received quite that much response to, uh, to uh, uh, an email before. Uh, a lot of you gave some very good questions I had not thought of that would be great questions to ask. Uh, but I uh, really appreciate just saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Uh, I'm glad you're able to, to go to this meeting. And thank you for being there uh, in your support. Uh, for me during this uh, this meeting, there were a couple of things that I was disappointed with with the meeting. I'm glad I went, but uh, just to let you know, uh, when I was first invited, uh, this this whole thing came together in only about maybe three or four weeks, and uh, they were hoping to get between 100, maybe even 300 uh, Christian leaders to be able to have a sit down and ask questions with Donald Trump and Ben Carson. Uh, but as we got closer, that number ballooned to a thousand. In fact, there were a little over a thousand. Uh, evangelical leaders by the time the event started on Tuesday, and so it was very obvious very quickly that uh, most of us, that hardly any of us were going to be able to actually ask a question. So what did happen was there were a couple of Christian leaders, maybe about a dozen, uh, people like James Dobson, um, David Jeremiah, uh, Jerry Paulo Jr., uh, uh, James Robinson. There were, there were a few people that were allowed the opportunity to ask questions. For the most part, these were pre-planned. Uh, Governor Mike Huckabee was moderating the, uh, the Q&A session, and it was very clear that these were all planned out ahead of time. The other thing that was somewhat discouraging is that uh, we were, it was explained to us very, very early on before uh, Donald Trump arrived in the motorcade. It was announced to us that there were not going to be any spiritual questions asked. Uh, I think it was worded that there's going to be no attempt to ask a Bible quiz question or try to to um, uh, trick uh, Mr. Trump uh, with some kind of theological question. Now, yeah, I wasn't wanting anybody to try to trip him up or to trick him with a question, but I, I would have been able to, I would have liked to have seen questions asked about spiritual things to see not only where he was on spiritual issues, but as a, as a way of asking questions that could introduce to him what is important to us spiritually. And it was clear that that would not happen. Now, on the good side, I was glad I was there. On the good side, uh, I would say that some of the questions that I had were asked by these leaders. Some of the questions you had that you emailed in or put in my voicemail that you suggested, uh, these were asked and answered by Donald Trump. Uh, he was asked about Israel. Is the United States under your presidency going to be a friend of the nation of Israel? Uh, he answered that question. Uh, he was asked questions about Supreme Court nominees. Are they going to be pro-life? And, and he assured us uh, that his um, any Supreme Court nominee that he 
would submit would be conservative and pro-life. He was asked about religious liberty issues uh, for our troops, for one thing, for those who, who fight for our rights, but also he was asked about in general, and we're living in a time and a day when the religious liberties in our country are being eroded, and uh, what would he as president do about those things? So these were questions I had. I know many of you had these same questions. They were addressed, and what I'm going to do, uh, I have a transcript of the entire meeting. It was recorded. Uh, we've got it in transcript form, uh, the news media. I'm going to give you that at the end of the, uh, this video where you can read the whole thing for yourself and see what happened. But I have a couple of things I want to talk about first. There's just a couple of issues that I want to address before I take you to the transcript. Um, a couple of you were asking, several of you, uh, James, now is it ethical to talk about a private meeting? I mean, it's supposed to be a private meeting. And uh, let me just say it's, it's private in the sense that it was invitation only. You had to be invited to the event. It was not open to the press or open to the public. But it was in no way a secret meeting. Um, we, we were told, we were told several times, uh, that we were not to, to give out the location of the meeting. I don't know if this was something that Secret Service was requiring or just for basic security reasons. So we weren't to give the location until the day of. But it was not a secret meeting in the sense that it could be talked about. In fact, all the major media, news media, you know, Fox News, CNN, and others uh, covered the event but before and after. So it was not to be a secret meeting, and in fact, uh, that's why I'm able to release the transcript so you can see everything that was said, all the questions and the answers uh, during the meeting. Now, before I take you to the transcript, uh, let me just say, this, elections can be very divisive. Uh, you guys blew up my inbox with uh, all kinds of email, and let me say, I didn't have time to answer. I answered maybe 100 or so. Um, I read every one of the emails, and most of them were extremely encouraging, positive. You're praying for me. Um, had, you had some great questions that uh, need to be asked, uh, and I really appreciate that. But there was some email, and I tell you what, very divisive on this issue. Uh, some, some, of, some people think that Donald Trump is the second coming of Christ, that he can do no wrong, and, and every Christian must vote for Donald Trump or it's the end of Western civilization as we know it. Now, other Christians are equally convinced that Donald Trump is the Antichrist and that no Christian in their right mind could ever uh, uh, vote for or be a part of anything that Donald Trump has to do. Uh, let me just say, we, of course we know that, that Jesus is not a registered Republican or a Democrat. We, we know that. But we can look in the Bible and see biblical principles that would apply to our time, that would apply to, um, to, this, to this election, and we can apply those principles in fact. Part of our duty as, as citizens is to render unto, unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. And part of that in a, in a democracy or representative republic like we live in is, is to participate in, in the process. So this comes down to the question, okay, who am I supporting? Who am I behind? I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm not endorsing, I never endorse any candidate. So I'm not here to tell you who to vote for or even endorse uh, any particular candidate. I think it was Tony Evans, a uh, pastor in Dallas, I heard this from. Uh, in an election, it's kind of like a football game. Everyone knows who wants to know, whose side are you on? Are you for the home team or the away team? Who are you for? Who do you want to win? Who do you want to lose? And that's what people are asking me in some of your email. Okay, who am I for? Am I for Donald Trump, against Donald Trump? And it's like a football game. There's, you know, there's only two teams on the field, so which team are you behind? Well, if you, you look more carefully at the field, you'll notice that there actually is, is not just two teams on the field. There are 
there, 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 of course, there's the home team and the, the away team, but there's actually also a third team, and that would be the officiating team, the referees. And it's the referee that picks up the rule book, in our case, the Bible, and they blow whistles, and they, and they call penalties, and they say offsides, or they say illegal formation. And we as Christians, I think, have to, in some way, operate as the referees. If we're salt and light, we need to be apart from, in some way, uh, the political process. Now, not, not us personally, certainly we're going to vote. We're going to be involved in the process that's part of rendering unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. But Christianity as a whole, I think we need to be careful that we don't uh, so identify with one side or another that we can't be impartial referees, that we can't blow the whistle uh, when either party is doing something right or wrong and, and say this is not biblical, this is not Christian, this is what the rule book says, and that's a violation of the rule book. So let's not abdicate our role as, as officiators, referees. Uh, let us be able to pick up that rule book impartially and let us be able to blow the whistle. And this is part of what it means to be salt and light, to be a Christian citizen, I think, in today's world. Thank you again for your prayers, uh, for standing with me uh, on Tuesday as I was in New York. Uh, and thank you so much for supporting the ministry of Watchman Fellowship. May God richly bless you. Thank you. And that uh, that transcript, you do an internet search, uh, you just go in, it was on Yahoo. Uh, you just go Trump Evangelical Meeting Transcript. It should pop right up again. It was at uh, Yahoo News had it. There's probably a couple of different places. Um, we're going to take a break, and then when I come back, uh, we'll discuss, uh, we'll, we'll talk about you know, Trump's faith itself again. I think that's really, it has to be addressed, but once again, that's not the main issue on whether or not to vote for Donald Trump, but it has to be addressed. Uh, people have made statements, not just James Dobson, about what Trump believes uh, you know, Trump has said some things himself. Uh, we come back, we'll look at that, and we'll, I'll went through the transcript, and we'll look at some of those questions. Some of them are very relevant, and there were some, is that some very positive things Trump did say, even though the questions were canned. Um, there were some very good things. Just one thing in particular, he said that, I have not heard anyone, I mean that, uh, I've not heard anyone running certainly for president. Uh, I can even go so far as I haven't heard. He, Trump said something that I haven't heard anyone say running for any federal office. Uh, maybe just one. Maybe Walter Jones in North Carolina. I think about that's the only person. But uh, we'll get into that and we come back after the break. How many more innocent people? How many more? How many more? What has been the number one cause of unnatural death in history? Democide, or death by government, has killed 290 million people on record. Look it up. Go look it up. In the 20th century, government murdered four times as many people as were killed in all the international and domestic wars combined. USSR, 61,911,000 people killed. Hitler's Germany, nearly 21 million people killed. Japan's imperialism. Nearly six million people killed. Western colonization killed over 50 million people. Pol Pot's Cambodia, funded by the U.S. government. Two million people killed. China's Communist Party, as many as 76 million people killed between 1949 and 1987. And the list goes on 
and on. Demand to know why the Department of Homeland Security bought more than 1.6 billion hollow point bullets. How many more people does government have to kill? Enough. Enough. Demand an end to citizen disarmament. As an American. As an American citizen. As a patriot. For your children. Enough of the people laying down and letting government kill them in mass after disarming them as they've done throughout history over and over again. Now is the time. It's time. It's time to realize that when the government takes your guns, people die. It's time to realize the biggest threat to you and your family is government. It's time to recognize government is the greatest killer of all time. Demand they show you the word hunting in the Second Amendment. Demand our politicians uphold the Constitution and Bill of Rights as they swore to when they took office. It's time for our leaders to read the Constitution. It's time for our leaders to obey the Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. Because a well-regulated militia with 10-round magazines wouldn't last very long. So now you know the most dangerous thing to you and your family in the world is government. Because mass murderers agree, gun control works. K-I-R-P That uh, transcript again, uh, just do an internet search. You could use startpage.com, duckduckgo.com, and just do a search for uh, Trump Evangelical Meeting should pop up. Uh, early on, I think it was Jerry Fowler Jr., I always thought his name was Jonathan Fowell, but it comes up Jerry Fowell, Jr., Liberty University. Liberty University is now promoted as the world's largest Christian university. started out back in the day, I believe in the 1970s, as Liberty Baptist College. At the time, Jerry Fowell was an independent Baptist. He was an independent fundamental Baptist, I might add. Uh, believe he was part of the Bible Baptist Fellowship International, BBFI, ran around with people like Bob Jones, Bob Jones II, Bob Jones Jr. And over time, uh, of course, Jerry Fowler is remembered because of the moral majority. Uh, he's remembered because of that. Uh, of course, you have to put everything in context. Ronald Reagan would have been elected in 1980, apart from the influence of the so-called moral Majority. Jerry Falwell, Liberty University, uh, he had broadened his base. Uh, many people would say I think it was correct. He attempted to make Liberty Baptist College grow too quickly and uh, got into financial trouble. He took state funds and eventually became a Southern Baptist school. When I say Southern Baptist, not a Baptist school in the South. became part of the Southern Baptist Convention. So, you know, Fowler had gone from an independent fundamental Baptist to a Southern Baptist. That was part of his transformation. I believe that was pragmatism. Pragmatism is not always wrong. In his case, I believe it was because he lost part of his core beliefs. The essence uh, of fundamentalism, what was good, is that it's a belief in ecclesiastical separation. It's a belief in separating from those who are in error. When he joined the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, he joined a group that has been compromised. Uh, I remember reading years ago there were 300 uh, women who were ordained 
as ministers in the Southern Baptist Convention. Most of them didn't have churches, but they still ordained them. So the Southern Baptist Convention has been a mixed bag for a very long time theologically. You have some people that are very conservative theologically. You have some that are liberal that do not even believe the gospel under the auspices of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, the so-called cooperative program, you do not have to, to contribute to that to be a church affiliated with Southern Baptist Convention. But if you do, a lot of that money uh, goes to supporting people that do not believe the Bible. Having said all that, Jerry Fowler Jr. then, uh, he's in charge after his dad passed away. He had gone, he graduated from uh, Liberty University, I think then it was still Liberty Baptist College when he graduated in the 80s, went to law school, and now he's there. He, he was worked for the school, or if he was chancellor beforehand, now he's president. Uh, I think, I could be wrong, he was probably the first prominent national type evangelical to endorse Donald J. Trump. I think that was back in January. It was interesting because uh, Ted Cruz had pretty much based his whole campaign on the fact that he was the evangelical guy. And I think it's, it is debatable that if, uh, if Cruz is saved. And certainly, as I've said, I don't, don't believe Trump is. I think there's absolutely no evidence. Uh, but, yeah, Cruz, Cruz's dad is quite, uh, is quite charismatic. I don't mean he's outgoing. <laughs> I mean, uh, he believes sign gifts are still in operation. Uh, you can see a video that's out there where, where Cruz's dad was uh, uh, on a show with Kenneth Hagan and uh, recounted the story that he believes that... Uh, uh, Hagen recounted it. It came from Cruz's dad that uh, Heidi Cruz, Ted's wife, received direct personal revelation from God saying that Ted was anointed. That's why he ran. Uh, no, I don't, do not believe that. Don't believe that at all. In any case, Cruz had basically staked his campaign on his evangelical identity, whether that's real or false, and I would lean towards the false part. And he announced he announced before anyone else he announced at Liberty University. So he probably thought the endorsement by uh, Jerry Fowler Jr. was in the bag. It was not. So Jerry Fowler Jr. came out. He endorsed Trump back in January. I didn't pull up the article, but Jerry Fowler Jr. was criticized, and I think it was it was justifiable criticism. I think after he endorsed Trump, he said, you know, Trump was Trump was Christian. Trump was saved, and. That was, I mean, to me, it's, that's ridiculous. Now, I can't get into the head of Jerry Fellow Jr. I'm guessing he's being yeah, dangerously pragmatic. He's being pragmatic in a sinful way because he knows some Christians want to believe in this fantasy that they can only vote for the president if he's a Christian. So, therefore, he felt uh, the end justifies the means then he could he could be deceptive about Trump having faith that he doesn't have. I don't know. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, Fowler said that. Trump, Trump, uh, and you go back in the day, I mean, Clinton at one point, uh, yeah, Clinton had identified, self-identified at one point as an evangelical. Trump did, but he didn't He didn't really beat that drum too loud. There was one piece I remember reading back around the time, I don't know if it was January or February, I didn't pull up the article, where Trump said, yeah, the evangelicals love me, I'm one of them. And he didn't say much more than that. <laughs> Uh, but now, after this meeting, after this meeting, it started out with it was going to be about 300 people, ballooned up to about a thousand. There was also a private meeting beforehand with about 40 people, 
and Dobson was in that meeting. I had this one uh this one guy interviewed Dobson. Again, his his website is godfactor.com, godfactor.com. And it's only about three minutes. And you can see exactly what Trump said. And this was blown up all over the place. Uh, New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Politico, Charisma, The Blaze. They all they all jumped over that. And um, it obviously was newsworthy because uh, Dobson, who is you know, a so-called evangelical leader, was saying that yeah, he thought Trump was uh, Trump was born again. But I'll play a piece now. Again, it's uh, just over seven minutes. It's just over three minutes. Michael Anthony, Godfactor.com. If you want to see a site yourself. And I thought I had it queued up. Let's see if we get that there. Give me a moment. Live radio. I'm here with Dr. James Dobson. Dr. Dobson, great to see you. Great to have you here. It's been a wonderful day. What's your impressions about today? I feel like it was historic. Only God knows where we're headed as a nation. But this gathering of God's people, sincerely, actually on their knees, uh, you know, a thousand people praying together, uh, that's a good thing. Have you seen anything like this in your years of ministry? Never. Never. No, I'm sure it's occurred, but not that I've seen. What would you want a listener to come away with, you know, you and I were here today for the whole event. What would you want to say to a listener? Well, uh, of course, Donald Trump was here, and uh, we were genuinely seeking the Lord's direction uh, in the things that he said. You know, he's sometimes kind of obscure in the way he answers questions, so we wanted to uh, to uh, ask him directly and then follow up questions and so on. We got a chance to do that, and uh, I was in a smaller group this morning at Trump Tower, and you got to meet uh, with him first. Didn't I, you? I did, and got a chance to interact with him. And uh, he's he's soft. He's a he's a lot nicer guy than you you realize. That's what struck me. Today, it was a gentler Trump than I'd seen. It was a little bit, I was a little bit taken aback by that in a good way. Well, I was too, and I think, I think he is listening. There are a lot of people ministering to him personally. A lot of ministers who are not, uh, I mean, he did uh, uh, accept a relationship with Christ. I know the person who led him to Christ. Really? And that's fairly recent. No kidding. Yeah. How recent? Uh, well, I don't know. Oh, yes, yes. I don't know when it was, but it has not been long. Wow. And he, I believe he really made a commitment that he's a baby Christian. Mm-hmm. We all need to be praying for him, especially if there's a possibility of him being our next uh, chief uh, huge. executive officer, and uh, I think that uh, he's open. Uh, he doesn't know our language. Mm-hmm. You know, we we had uh, 40 Christians together with him, and he used the word hell 
four right. or five times. He doesn't know our language. He really doesn't. And he refers a lot to religion and not much to faith and belief. You know, it's in interesting Christ. that you say that. I'm sure the uh, Saul, when he became Paul, yeah. didn't know much of the language either. Yeah, well, you got to cut him some slack. He didn't grow up like we did. Yeah. And uh, I, I think there's hope for him. And I think there's hope for us. I have great concerns about the next election. Very concerning. Dr. Nelson, thank you so much. You're a good man. Thank you for saying hello. God bless you. So there it is. Michael Anthony interviews Dobson. Dobson says he believes Trump trusted Christ. Someone told him that. He didn't tell, he didn't say who that person was. Uh, Could it be true? Yes, yeah, I mean it, it, it could be true, but I go back to, you know, Jerry Fowler Jr. I go back months ago, uh, after Fowler endorsed uh, Trump, you know, Fowler said he thought he was saved. Uh, there really wasn't. What was the basis of that? Uh, Dobson says now it just happened. It, it's possible. Uh, I, I would say no, but again, that's not the issue whether or not to vote for Donald J. Trump. The issue is, uh, how's he going to handle the compact? How's, uh, what, how's he going to take his oath of office? What does he believe about the highest law of the land? The interview, uh, the interview was, uh, I mean, the the, uh, the meeting, the transcript is out there. Read through the whole thing. It's very interesting. Uh, again, even though even though the questions were canned, uh, it, it was obviously pre uh, everyone. I mean, it was stage for the most part. In other words, the people who were going to ask the questions were pre-selected beforehand, as were the questions, in all probability. Uh, Carson set it up, and that's interesting, that you talk about uh, you talk about evangelicals, as far as the sermon, a lot of evangelicals like Ben Carson, of course, he's a Seventh-day Adventist, I mean, he's not a believer, but this goes back again to the sermon slash morality thing, when voting for someone, Christian said no problem uh, voting for Ben Carson, even though he's lost, and he has part of a cult, yet, yeah, they raise moral objections with with uh, that they wouldn't with other candidates for Trump. In any case, uh, you know, Carson Carson's there. Someone spoke they didn't know wasn't identified in the beginning. Uh, that person then kind of introduces Carson. Uh, Carson's up there, and uh, and Carson, I mean. Carson uh, uh, talks about fear. If fear minds. I, I don't like this. I mean, every, every four years you hear people, not just Christians, say uh, this is the most important election of our lifetime. We may get another chance. Uh, I don't. I think it. The presidency degenerates every four years, regardless of the party. Uh, in other words, we're the Democratic or Republican. I said that about Obama. I said Obama won't be worse than Bush, uh, not because he's a Democrat, but because he followed him. The president continues to uh, absorb power that is not granted to him by the Constitution. That's a very dangerous thing. Congress will not stop the president. They should. Congress technically has more power than the executive branch. They don't exercise it. So Carson invokes fear early on. Didn't appreciate Carson. Said, quote, this is who we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. He's talking about, he's talking about uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, this is who we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. You know the ship is about to sell off Niagara Falls, full of passengers, and everybody's about to be killed. You know what we have to do? 
We have to stop the ship, number one. Number two, we have to turn around. Number three, we have to sail in the other direction. And uh, that's true, but uh, there are always going to be some people, and you know, for me, I, I have no problem casting a protest vote. Yeah, I may not this time. Like I said, I'm on, I'm on the fence about Donald J. Trump. But I don't like the fear-mongering in that, yeah, there are some differences, but we have to, you have to look at what's happened, particularly in the 20th century. Uh, we talked about Roe versus Wade and abortion, and it's a big issue with the justices, no doubt, because the Supreme Court shouldn't have that power. But again, the president, especially Congress, has let the Supreme Court absorb powers they're not supposed to have to make uh, to make opinions about issues that that they have no no business doing according to the Constitution. And if you look at the Constitution's face value, the Supreme Court makes a so-called ruling. It's just their opinion. It doesn't become law until Congress changes the law. But we don't operate according to those rules. So the Supreme Court does have a tremendous power. But you go back to Roe versus Wade, the majority of those appointees decided abortion on the man was legal. And of course, they had, that was, they had no jurisdiction to rule on that. They did. Uh, they were Republican appointees, majority of Republican appointees. So, yeah, Carson, you know, he, inv- he invokes some fear and he introduces Franklin Graham. Spoke a little bit about Franklin Graham before Samaritan's Purse, but now uh, he's president of Billy Graham Evangelistic Organization. Again, I have no affection for Billy Graham because his cooperative or, cooperative or uh, ecumenical evangelism. Uh, Billy Graham, you could argue, has probably done more to harm the gospel and to harm biblical Christianity in the 20th century than anyone else alive. So then Graham gets up there, and then he introduces Jerry Fowler, Jr. I would like to introduce now a very good friend of mine, Jerry Fowler, Jr., who doesn't need an introduction. He has one of the great universities that his, that his father started. He's taken it to a whole new level. My three sons found their wives at Liberty University, and so I owe a great deal of debt to Jerry's daddy, who's now in heaven, and I'm sure he's watching us today. But he is a great friend, and I have a lot of respect for Jerry Fowler. Jerry, come in, and I don't know where you get in the Bible that people in heaven could see us, what we're doing. So, again, part of that link with, you know, what's, what's the link between Franklin Graham and Jerry Fowler during the Liberty? Well, it goes back again to Jerry Fowler. When he had financial problems, he became a Southern Baptist. That's, that's part of what that is. So, Jerry Fowler Jr. gets up, and uh, he says something really interesting. This is relevant to what goes on later later in, in this discussion in the Q&A. Uh, and Jerry Fowler Jr. says, quote, As you know, Liberty University does not support or oppose candidates for public office. A lawyer makes me say that, and he's a lawyer himself. But I personally feel strongly that Donald Trump is God's man to lead our nation at this crucial crossroads in our country's history. And, of course, he endorsed them months beforehand. Uh, then he goes on. He has a talking point that is that is valid. We hear this a lot in the last presidential quote. In the last presidential election, there were 25 million Christians who were registered, but who didn't bother to show up at the polls. We were a single most influential voting block. You break down those numbers again. Uh, you look at the numbers by Barna and Gallup, and when they broadly define evangelical. Yeah, I don't know if there's something crazy. They say there's 90 million evangelicals. When you drill down, okay, when the initial definition would be like someone who is who has trusted Christ or someone who has asked Christ into their life such that they believe that, yeah, uh, they will make a difference, that, that, that they'll go to heaven. When you drill down on that and you say, okay, well, of the people that said that, that said that born-again type statement thing, decision, 
uh, then you see, well, how many believe in the body of the resurrection of bodily resurrection of Lord Jesus? How many believe in this deity? How many believe in the world, heaven, and hell? Then the numbers go down significantly. <laughs> like maybe, maybe, yeah, 20, 25%, I don't know, of the people. I haven't seen those, those numbers by Barna or Gallup. But when you look at the actual, when you look at, yeah, fundamental doctrines, yeah, deity of Jesus Christ, body of the resurrection, literal heaven, or literal hell, uh, <laughs> those numbers are a lot smaller. But it's true, people that would broadly self-identify as 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 Christians again, not they always don't vote. But it, it is. He, he talks about we're the single most influential voting block. Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes and no, because it's not. Is it really a block when the self-identification is erroneous? In other words, we're not when they're really not all Christians, and you shouldn't just look at Christians as a voting block. I'm sure he doesn't, but many people do. So Jerry Fellow goes on and says, I want to introduce you to Donald Trump that I know to tell you why I trust him. Not Donald Trump in the media or of his critics. I've seen a man who honors his fiduciary responsibilities through his corporations. He makes tough decisions to ensure his business's success. He speaks the truth publicly, even if it's uncomfortable people here. He treats his friends and employees and people in general and, 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 and people in need with the greatest respect, loyalty, and generosity. But he did just can his uh, his campaign chairman, Corey Lewandowski, out. I think we got a caller here. Just saw you, my friend. How's it going? Are you there, Pudgy? Are you there, sir? Hello? Are you there, Pudgy? Hello? Are you there? Hello? 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 <laughs> Go ahead. You're on the air. Hello? I uh, must have lost them. Sorry about that. I uh I wish uh I wish I knew uh wish I knew I was doing a little bit more on the technical side here. But uh he he goes on. Yeah, he he's talking about Trump. Yeah, he talks about yeah he he knows Trump. Other people don't know. And then he invokes the Supreme Court. Obviously, that is that is a big thing. The the court shouldn't have that power. Huckabee, yeah, Huckabee, who's professing evangelical former governor of Arkansas. Huckabee's politics incidentally were uh, horrifically bad. He was for amnesty. Uh, as far as his personal morality, he accepted public gifts from people. Uh, I really, I really want to respect Huckabee, but Huckabee, Huckabee got behind Trump pretty early on. It was interesting, and uh, yeah, he thanked him for coming. And uh, again, he trashes Hillary, which is easy to say. He says Hillary wouldn't meet with people like this. True, they probably wouldn't invite her, but she wouldn't show up. Uh, talks about the questions he had, and of course, it was uh, talks a little bit about Trump's family. You know, which which is nice, uh, and of course, that doesn't make him. Uh, that doesn't make uh, Trump saved at all. But again, one, one of the uh, one of the things where Trump has exercised control in his life, some restraint, is uh, is in those areas. You know, no alcohol. The, the guy doesn't drink. No drugs. That's where he said his children. No drugs. No alcohol. Then he said no cigarettes. It's funny in the transcript. Trump says, "I went to Sunday school at First Presbyterian Church in," and then after "in," it, it says it's unintelligible. <laughs> Whatever that was. But uh, uh, I talked. Uh, 
I talked before about how how the fact I only knew one person running for public office. One person running for public office was uh, had mentioned this and th- this one issue. And let me see, let's see if I can try this again. Let's see if we can. Hello, are you there? Hello. Hello. I am sorry. I cannot. I clicked the button, but I, you can't seem to hear me. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I I tried. Uh, the uh, he he goes on. I mentioned that there's only one. I've never heard someone running for, running for president mention this. I've heard one person, that was Walter Jones, mention this at the federal level. And uh, I'll quote what Trump says. Not only with Supreme Court, not only with Supreme Court justices, which we'll also talk about at length, but also on things like freeing up your religion, freeing up your thoughts, freeing up your you talk about religious liberty and religious freedom. You really don't have religious freedom if you really think about it, because when President Johnson had his tenure, he passed something that makes people very, very nervous to even talk to preserve uh, their tax-exempt status, taking a lot of power away from Christianity or religions. He's talking about what Johnson did, I believe, when he was a senator before he became president. That's when they they put they basically tricked the churches into believing that the churches had to be incorporated as 501c3s. They had to get 501c3 incorporation to to retain their tax exempt status. Now, you read the Constitution's face value. I'm going to read going to read the uh, the first the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. So right there, at the beginning of the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It was, it was completely illegal to ever place any restriction upon the church's period. End of story. Um, again, you go back to the debate between the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist. The Article, uh, the original compact, okay, the Articles Confederation, had a much smaller federal government. Just, just had a much smaller federal government. And when they, when they went to the Constitution again, the way the process they went about getting the Constitution was somewhat deceptive. They were supposed to amend the Articles of Confederation that came out with a new compact. It made the federal government much more powerful. So there was a debate. Uh, there was a lot of criticism of that, and the Federalist Papers were written by people like Alexander Hamilton to convince people to accept the new Constitution, which had a stronger federal government. The Anti-Federalist, they wrote their papers. You had people like Patrick Henry, who was a believer, and they were extremely skeptical and really were not in favor of of the new constitution because of the the increased power scale of the federal government. So in that debate, they won. They came out with really the compromise was the states state state ratifying convention. The states had to ratify the constitution, and the states only ratified the constitution with the promise that they would accept the Bill of Rights. That was it. Period. 
And all the Bill of Rights were is that they were negative affirmations. Negative affirmations meaning all the Bill of Rights said, it clarified what the federal government could not do, period. Yeah, end of story, case closed. So that statement was made, again, the language is very clear. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. When Johnson, Lyndon Baines Johnson, was a senator from Texas, he got hammered by by Christian conservatives, and he wanted to stop that from happening. So he came up with the idea to have federal law to make the IRS, which again you could debate. I would say the IRS is constitutional, in spite of you know that, in spite of the amendment to add the IRS. Uh, but he came up with the, with the idea then to make churches incorporate, make them make them 501c3 uh, corporations, and therefore then also then restrict them from endorsing candidates. And at any time, that could be expanded. It could be done administratively. So they say that just means that churches can't endorse, but it could mean a lot more than that. But, you know, Trump, to his credit, uh, you know, Trump talked about that. He talked about it more than once. Uh, and... Uh, Trump went on. I couldn't. And, uh, and over the course of various meetings, this is Trump again. I realized there are, there are petrified ministers and churches. They speak before twenty five thousand people. The most incredible speakers you could ever see, better than any politician by far. And yet, when it comes to talking about it openly, or who they support, or why they support somebody because he's a person, a man or a woman, who is in their values, they're petrified to do it. And I couldn't get the answer. Then one day, one of our meetings, somebody said they're petrified of losing their tax exempt status. And I said, what is that all what is that all about? And they went into it, and it, it's what happened during the Johnson administration. And I will tell you, folks, that some will agree, some of you will agree, some of you will disagree, and some of you have been ingrained, and that's the worst thing because you don't even think about it. You can't see the forest root trees, some of you are so close to it. But I can tell you, I watched this during the last year, and I watched the fear in the hearts of brave, incredible people, and we are going to get rid of that because you should have the right to speak. Now, again, I. I went to seminary, uh, ten two different seminaries, and I could just tell you firsthand, firsthand experience. Most of the pastors out there, including people that you know went to seminary, Bible college, they have no idea that they don't have to be that churches don't have to be incorporated. They have no idea. They have no idea. Uh, it's a voluntary thing, but they've been tricked. They've really been they've been deceived into thinking they have to be incorporated. To be tax exempt, no. By the Constitution, there's they're inherently, they're intrinsically tax free. Congress can't touch them. So there are churches out there. I know I'm, I'm a member of one that are not incorporated. They're just not incorporated. So even Trump, even Trump running and saying that is tremendous to start that discussion, which most people don't want to talk about. And again, I didn't see a lot of the national articles, but. I would suspect they're not even talking about that because, you know, that's a game changer. If we could get, if we get back to where we were before the IRS code was amended, IRS shouldn't touch any churches at all, period. Uh, then we could, it would be a good thing because then we could have, we could basically mobilize Christians a lot more politically. And uh, right now, as as Trump said, it is true, people are afraid and uh, and, uh, and and they shouldn't be. Uh, Dobson was there. Uh, he uh, he asked a question about you know general question softball about religious liberty, justice. Of course, you know they're going to be pro-life. Uh, but again, 
Trump again went back to Johnson. This is Trump's words. And again, what I said in my open remarks having to do with the Johnson Amendment, whatever you want to call it, everybody knows exactly what it is. Everybody doesn't. A lot of people in church don't like to talk about the Johnson Amendment uh, prohibited endorsements by tax exempt organizations. I think it may be my greatest contribution to Christianity and other religions is to allow you to go and speak openly. If you like somebody and want somebody to represent you, you should have the right to do that. And it also save save churches money uh, because, you know, why why do you have to bother really with this whole, you know, with uh, uh, yeah, detailed detailed disclosure when the government should have no business looking at churches' finances to begin with? Shouldn't be there. So Trump went on. He talked about you know how well he did with evangelicals in the South South Carolina. He had Ronnie Floyd, former president, on the Baptist Convention. Uh, he asked a question in general, broad question about. Uh, about poverty, crime, uh, racial tensions, and yeah, Trump. Trump talked. To, he basically talked about the economy. He made a good statement. He says, "Now there's one word that we would like to take a big chunk of it, and that's jobs. We need jobs." He's right. I mean, you have more jobs. There's, there's obviously there's less poverty. There's, this you know reduces crime to some extent. Our jobs would be taken away to other countries. NAFTA. North American Free Trade Agreement, which is one of the worst things ever signed economically in this country's history, it was signed by Bill Clinton. And you could do a search on this. When, when when that was signed by Clinton, you had you had uh, you had I think every living president showed up for that to show how much how much the political elite, how much the, the leadership of both parties, the financial interests behind both parties loved NAFTA. You had Carter there. Uh, if uh, if Reagan was alive, Reagan was there. They were all there. They were all there when they signed NAFTA. Uh, Trump went on to said he would repeal and replace Obamacare. Don't like that. Uh, I like the repeal part. I don't like to replace that. That was a talking point that Willard Mitt Romney used after the Supreme Court decided that uh, Obamacare was legal because they redefined it as taxation. Now, Obamacare shouldn't be replaced. It should just be repealed. David Jeremiah, senior pastor, Shadow Mountain Community Church. You might listen to him on the radio. Uh, he's a good preacher. Uh, he asked him. He asked him the standard question about standing with Israel. Trump says, "Yeah, I'm 100% for Israel. I always have been." And he trashed the Iran deal. The Iran deal is one of the worst deals we've ever seen. Uh, he had some guy, Samuel Rodriguez, president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, asked him about immigration. Well, what's he going to say? Yeah, he's going to build a wall. <laughs> Trump mentioned he got endorsed by uh, by the Border Patrol guards. Uh, I don't think anyone had been before that. Uh, Tony Perkins of uh, Family Research Council asked them about uh, what, what steps we would take to restore military and the rights of men and women in uniform to practice religious freedom because talking about how how the you know, homosexuality, transgenderism was really being foisted upon the military. Trump Trump didn't say a whole lot uh, except you know, he wants uh, he did want the military to be rebuilt, which I think we spent a lot of money on the military already. But uh, he didn't say a whole lot. Uh, he basically did just say he didn't want it to be politically correct. He didn't say a whole lot to that question. Uh, Kelly Shackelford, president and CEO of First Liberty Institute, basically uh, said uh, uh, really there was no question. The, the person just commended uh, commended uh, commended Trump on that. Uh, uh, and then he went on to say Shackford did have a real question about this whole idea. What do we do 
with and you have the bakery getting sued by the lesbians. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about that? And how, how do we know the judges you're going to appoint are going to be real? Trump's answer wasn't too good on that. He basically said he's going to trust the Federalist Society and Heritage Foundation. Uh, I really don't hold either in you know, high esteem. I really don't. Uh, I think Trump was giving canned answers because his audience probably believes that they can trust the Federalist Society, especially the Heritage Foundation. You have Jim DeMint, who's pressing believers over heritage now. But uh, a lot, of, a lot of this is controlled opposition. Or a lot of those organizations exist to just create, to create the illusion of choice. And they're really just they're Republican front groups. I mean, they don't want to change things like heritage being for, uh, you know, some type of Obamacare, things like that. So hopefully Trump knows better. But that's uh, that was his answer, which wasn't reassuring. Huckabee mentioned the Second Amendment. Uh, Trump said the NRA endorsed them. Of course, well, of course they're not going to endorse Hillary. Trump again brought up Lyndon Johnson. That was good under the Second Amendment. Trump said, quote, and I actually said, how is it possible for Lyndon Johnson to get that through? You call an amendment or whatever you want to call it, which took away this tremendous power. And honestly, people were asleep at the wheel. Something happened. We're going to get it revoked. And we're going to be incredible for evangelicals, for Christianity, for other religions. You know I talked about a temporary ban on Muslims till we find out what's going on. And I was met with tremendous rebuke and praise. And okay, I was met with everything. Some people thought it was great. Some people didn't think so great. But if I said something about Christianity, nobody would. It would be a whole different ballgame. We can't let that happen, folks. It's different, all right? That that, yeah, that was that was good. That, that, was, that was good to say. Uh, you know, Huckabee thanked him for being there. Yeah, that was uh, that was softball. James Robinson, founder of Life Outreach International, he prayed at the end. I won't read that prayer. But again, I think I think I view I view the meeting positively. Once again, I do not think there is any reason to consider that Trump is uh, that Trump is born again. That's not the issue. The issue is who's going to take the oath of office more seriously. I am against the fear tactics. I believe, you know, philosophically, you shouldn't you shouldn't violate your conscience to vote for anyone. Uh, just because, obviously, uh, if you want to take say lesser of two evils, of course, uh, you'd say, yeah, you know, you'd go with Trump if you view him as evil, or you know, Trump is would have more respect. Uh, for the things Christian value that would value than Hillary, but I still go back to that Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court case that ruled in Roe versus Wade. The majority were Republican appointees. Uh, we can't play that game. Trump has some good core ideas, and he's against illegal wars. Uh, he says he's against NAFTA. If Trump would deliver just on those two areas, uh, that would be phenomenal. I don't know. I'd like to think Trump is real. Uh, we'll see. Uh, the cynical part of me says if Trump is real, uh, he's going to get a quick-acting cancer or his plane is going to go down. There's going to be a mechanical failure. <laughs> but I don't know. It, uh, it, it was an interesting race. Uh, it, is, it has been a very, very interesting race. Trump definitely was not favored by the establishment, and that's why a lot of people have gravitated towards him. He may not like what he says, but he's not scripted. Thank you for listening tonight to the KRP Radio Show. Poggi will be back next week, Sunday at 8 p.m. Thank you.